Hello and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. I'm delighted that you have reserved this hour for us to talk about your books, your brands, your blogs, and whatever else you might be creating. Today we're going to get into the topic of timelessness. And I am always interested in your questions. So head on over there to Facebook if you like and send me a personal message. I will tell you I do have several questions that have already come in, but I have time for more. So I would love to receive your question. I'm at Debbie Handrich on Facebook. Just like it sounds, Handrich is H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H, and Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. You can also send me a little email. My email address is askcoachdebbie. Again, that's D-E-B-B-Y, askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And, like I said, we're going to be looking at writing a timeless story. And you might be thinking, oh, if I don't already have enough on my plate, now you're going to throw that at me? But, you know, anytime we decide that we are committing to a nice big body of writing, there are going to be elements of timelessness in it and if we give our mind to it even more we might find there are ways that our story itself is quite timeless so we're going to get into that as the hour goes on i'll be taking a break at 20 minutes after the hour and 40 minutes after the hour And if you would like to catch the replay of this show, we offer that every Friday mornings on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. If you are in your cars, that's at 6 a.m. Pacific Time or 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And you can always use the KKNW app. And then we offer a professional podcast, and that is available on Podcast One, on iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, you know all the popular ones. You can get it there. And I would be delighted if you subscribed. Last week, we talked a good bit about publishing. I had received a lot of questions about the the practicalities and the concerns of getting your story out there. What does it mean to be a best-selling author? How much money do you need? Which avenues should you pursue? Do you need an agent? All these questions came pouring in. So we really worked on that, and I... I hope you will go back and take a look at the, I believe that would have been May 21st, is that right? Uh, The show we did on publishing and your plans and some of the little precautions that you want to take and 
some of the predicaments you might get into, that's all on our last podcast. We will be reviewing a couple of those questions today because people wrote in and said, hey, now I've got a new question. So we'll be taking a look at that topic as well as we deal with this notion of timelessness today. And I think as we kick it off, I think what I might do is go over here to Carl Sagan, who wrote a book called Cosmos. Remember that? Oh, gosh, that goes back a ways. I'm, I'm probably really dating myself here. But he wrote a great book called Cosmos, and I was digging and digging and digging around for this quote, and I couldn't find it, and I couldn't find it. And then someone I follow actually uh, posted it, and it, it took me back to the place in the book. So I'm going to read this to you. Just sit back for a minute and think about the notion of a timeless book. This is what Carl Sagan had to say from Cosmos. What an astonishing thing a book is. It's a flat object made from a tree with flexible parts on which are printed lots of funny dark squiggles. But one glance at it and you're inside the mind of another person. Maybe somebody dead for thousands of years. Across the millennia, an author is speaking clearly and silently inside your head, directly to you. Writing is perhaps the greatest of human inventions, binding together people who never knew each other. And he finishes up a little later by saying, a book is proof that humans are capable of working magic because books break the shackles of time. Now, I had remembered something about the shackles of time. And like I said, I, I just couldn't figure out where I had heard that. And then it came up in a, a quote from someone I follow. And I got to thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember being, gosh, probably my late 30s or something and thinking about that. The shackles of time. How is it that we are so familiar with being shackled by time? I mean, think of how that is today. Not necessarily when Carl Sagan was writing that, but think about how we feel shackled by time today. And today could be this year or just the culture that we live in or it could be the time of a pandemic. What I find is that each year, because we're living in a technology age, there is this shackling that we are expected to produce more and more, and yet we're unable to stretch time. It almost feels like in the beginning, the expectation was technology will allow us in a funny way to stretch time. I mean, we won't have to sit down 
and write a letter and get the stamps and go to the post office. You'll have this groovy thing called the email. And bam, you knock it out and somebody's got it. And that somebody might be a long, 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 long ways away. Might be on the other side of the globe. So it's almost as if we thought we could stretch time and not be shackled by it. But I'll tell you this, it didn't work for me because in my profession at that time, I was teaching at a college when I was reading Cosmos by Carl Sagan. And maybe in the early days, I was getting 20 emails a day, but it grew to 50 and that grew to 80. And sometimes my inbox, when I would walk into work, would have over 100 emails in it. And I had to be accountable for those emails. I wouldn't say I necessarily had to reply to them all. Some of them were just, you know, an announcement that we had a 3 o'clock meeting in the English department. You didn't really have to reply. But there could easily be... Out of 75 students that I was teaching that quarter, there could easily be 20 emails from students with concerns, with something that they thought was earth-shaking. And I had to be of the mind to get present and write to them. So I, I just want to say I started to feel very shackled by the fact that I could not work with time the way I wanted to. On the other hand, in that same career, one thing that allowed me to feel very free was that we would have these English department meetings and we would revisit questions that if you ask me, they were quite timeless. So you know I taught English, I taught literature for over 20 years. I, I helped people learn how to write essays and articles, do research writing, etc. But I worked for the humanities division. And one of the questions we kept asking over and over, and, and it didn't stop in the 20 years I was there. One of the questions we kept asking and then answering based on our own time that we were living in was, what does it mean to be human? Now, that's a very timeless question because, of course, it, it's going to come back to our values. Timelessness lives in our music and our love and our, our money, our health, our, our science. It, it lives in nature. It lives in our relationships, our culture, our way of communicating. Specifically in the humanities, of course, we were thinking very much about our, our, our sociology, our, our psychology. Like I said, our, our culture, our communication, our words, our ways of relating in small groups, one-on-one, -on -one, and 
And in, in fact, at large, how do we relate to each other? So this question, what does it mean to be human? It formed a certain foundation of timelessness. And, and that stuck regardless of who worked for the department or who retired from the department. Regardless if we offered classes face-to-face or if we adapted more online classes. It was a timeless question. And so I bring all this up because we as writers, we as thinkers, we as people in the world, we are constantly faced with how timeless are we going to be? How timeless are our conversations going to be? How timeless is our book going to be? And yet, one thing I don't want you to feel like you must do is go to your desk and say, aha, Coach Debbie said it's time for my book to become timeless. Now I will be Timeless, what the heck does it mean? (laughs) You know, that's going to just scare you into becoming your own worst critic. But on the other hand, if you think about the fact that there are these topics that by nature make things timeless, you're going to find that so much of your story just is timeless timeless. And if you tell it from your heart, you're really working your way into that sweet spot of being timeless. So that's really what we're going to spend our time on today. And like I said, I'm going to take a little bit of time and talk to you about publishing a little bit more. But I want you to remember, publishing is not the end-all be-all. We think it is but it's not. It's, it's actually something that we often chase. It's a beautiful thing to chase. I mean, think about when you were falling in love and you were chasing that, that beautiful ponytail going down the street or that tuxedo moving down the way or, or that, that beautiful musician that you couldn't take your eyes off of. You were chasing it down. You had to be close to it. But what you found was that once you were invited in and you were close, somehow you wanted a little bit more. And publishing is that way. Uh, recently, I saw a woman, I want to say it was right around Christmas time. I follow her on YouTube, and she was saying, I'm so close to having. 1 million followers. I'm so close. If you don't subscribe yet to my channel, please click subscribe. Please. I really want 1 million followers. I mean, she was obsessed, right? And how can we blame her? That sounds like a pretty big feat. And yet now, what are we? We're in May, five months later. She's talking about her joy of the day when she gets to 2 million. She's really working hard on it. So somehow, 
between Christmas and here we are in late spring, that one million, you know, it was joyful, but it uh, doesn't seem to have the same flair that two million possible subscribers has. And I hate to tell you, but people can be the same way about getting their book published. They're so darn excited and for good, 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 good reason. But you want to really embrace the timelessness of the story you're giving someone because it could be that is your one and only book and that is a great feat to create that book. But what I see so often is people, they get that book done and they're like, you know what, my next book, this is what I'm going to do. And they're off and chasing. And it becomes a funny chase as opposed to a beautiful celebration. And when we're really focusing on what's timeless, we are in a state of really celebrating and living and thriving. So we're going to get into more conversation around that So please write to me if you have a question. I see that we do have some questions coming in. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, more on writing your timeless story. Stay tuned. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. Their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Five things you need to know about measles in 30 seconds. The vaccine was developed in 1963, and measles became rare in the U.S. But low vaccination rates are now causing outbreaks that may put you at risk. Measles is highly contagious and spreads easily when an infected person breathes or coughs. Measles can have serious complications and can be deadly. It's also easy to prevent with a vaccine that's safe and effective. Please make sure you and your loved ones are vaccinated. Learn more at nfid.org measles. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1150kknw. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. We're talking today about writing your timeless story. And you might think, oh my goodness, I was already nervous about getting my story right and getting my book right. And I can understand. We all we all go through that. We feel how hard it is to stay out of that sort of oh protection of ourself that we might end up judging how well this story is coming out. At the same time, if you're asking yourself high quality questions, you're probably keeping yourself in a fairly timeless zone. And I was thinking today about the notion of music. 
that I I love jazz. I love rock and roll music. I love funk music. I love classical music. There's so many types of music. If you invited me to go with you to a concert, I would say yes, because so many types of music speak to me. And at the same time, there have been different eras that celebrate music in different ways. But if you really think about it, it, as early as there were rocks, and I think that's the beginning of time, (laughs) you could pound rocks together and make music. You know, those, those stones rolling down the hill, you could pound together and you, hey, maybe that was the birth of rolling stones. Who knows? But you, you can make music and you can make music whether you're on this side of the globe or the other side of the globe. What makes it timeless without getting too technical are some of those chord progressions or what your ear starts to anticipate that it will hear. So there's only so many chord progressions, but you can in in writing your rock and roll song, use a progression that was produced many, many eras ago in jazz and many, many, many eras ago in classical music. Yet the ear is sort of trained to hear and anticipate how the notes will flow up and down. If you have a deep appreciation for music, you hear that. Sometimes it's more that you hear the type of instrument. So you might you might have a bent for wood instruments. Uh, you might have a bent for the strings. You might have a bent for the feeling of percussion. But the bottom line is music is timeless and it is our stories that keep it timeless so for example i was um oh now i can't remember the name of the store i suppose it doesn't matter but there's a store nearby here in the west seattle area and they they have time life magazines in plastic and you can peruse them i don't know if you can actually buy them but you can peruse them while you're in the store and so I love to go and look up what's going on the year I was born or I love to go and see what was happening the year I went to kindergarten or the year I graduated I don't know why but that's that's sort of my own timelessness and my curiosity so there they had this one of my favorite Jimi Hendrix there he is the the background of the cover is yellow and his boots are this psychedelic super high-heeled platform and his hair is just this magnificent afro and so that is definitely set in a period of time definitely But what made it timeless? It certainly wasn't the platform shoes. It wasn't the colors. And it wasn't the haircut. 
It was that he had a guitar. And without the guitar, you could mistake it if you were not a Jimi Hendrix fan. You could mistake it for an ad that was really speaking more to fashion. But that guitar set it in the timelessness of music and and the whole proficiency of music. Now, what we do over and over and over and over again is we create stories around our food, around our family. We create stories around our music, our money, around what it looks like to be in nature. We can even have a story on glam camping. And yet the camper makes it timeless and the story of family around it brings in a timelessness. You really know you're hanging out in a timeless story when you you just sort of lose your heart in it. You you talk and you're you uh, talking actually is what I'm doing, but maybe you're writing the story and you lose track of the fact that you've been writing for now two hours. You didn't really know that. It's not until your kids walk in and say, you know, Mom, when are we having lunch? And you're thinking, lunch, it's quarter to ten. And you look and it's actually quarter to noon. Where did that time go? You you thought you were writing your book on glam camping, but actually... You found yourself lost in a beautiful story around family values and taking out the guitar and playing it over the nighttime campfire and making food over the campfire and how the dog got lost for a short period of time and how everyone came together, even though there had earlier been a fight And we came together and we went looking for the dog and we found the dog and we came together and we got the dog out of trouble and we we walked together back and we made it back during dusk before it got too dark. And this is a timelessness that you bring to your story. It could have happened in the 1940s. It could have just been part of the way they were living in the 1850s. It could have been somewhere in between. It could have been yesterday. But what you were touching on and and really diving your experience towards was this timelessness of family. You were touching on camping. The story of your book is around camping, but the timelessness of it all are those values that came through when you poured your heart into your story. And what I can tell you is I don't want you to worry that you must make your book timeless. (laughs) I really don't want you to worry about that. But instead, I want you to come into the spirit of really focusing on what your heart has to say. What does your heart want to share while you're creating those chapters in your book. See, I'm, I'm talking now about 
losing your dog and the the dog next door won't stop barking. I have no idea if you can hear that or not. But that's how it works. The dog barking is a timeless thing. And it doesn't matter if you go back to the days of dogs working for the royal families. In fact, that might even go on today. I'm not even sure. Or if you're talking about the family next door that thinks they're royal, there is a barking dog in every household, practically, that has a dog. That's a timeless feature of just being in family or in culture with dogs. They bark. They express. But your heartfelt story around them is what keeps you and your book and your sharing so timeless. And it's what you want. But you don't want to be overwhelmed with this notion of, I must create it. I must know how to create timelessness. Really, my best advice to you is to just lose yourself in writing from your heart Notice how you can't really be afraid about creating a great book when you're writing from your heart. If you don't hear anything I'm saying today, I hope you hear that. Anytime you're really pouring your heart into your book, you're not afraid. You're not. You might have been before you got to that stage, but you're not now. Your hands just move in line by line. I'm not afraid to talk to you right now. Although I'll tell you, most shows, I spend somewhere between five seconds and five hours feeling anxious that I might forget the most important thing I want to tell you. You know, that's natural. But once I start feeling that you're with me, I'm not afraid. I'm doing what I love. It makes me happy. God knows I would jump up and down if somebody called this show timeless. But what I kind of want to bridge into here is it doesn't really matter that much to me about the publication. And what I mean by that is it's more important to me that I share with you a message that is timeless for you. Let me get a drink of water here. And it's less important to me that I somehow make it on, oh, I don't know. Maybe there are lists out there that, um, that honor people that have radio shows. I don't really know. But in the publishing world, I know a lot more. The, the number one list that people tend to want to be on is the New York Times. And people try their darndest to write a timeless story so that it will get to the New York Times bestseller. And what are some things you must do? Well, in... In a period of time, and I don't know exactly what it is for, for New York Times bestseller, you, you need to have sold between five and 10,000 books to a diverse audience. That's something that makes you stand out differently than 
say you were going for an Amazon best-selling um, mark or blue ribbon, we'll say. With Amazon, it's a very, very, very short window that they allow you. And it's a it's a low number of books as well. It, it at one time it was just about the the numbers were something like a hundred books to the first forty eight hours of publication. And what a lot of people did was they would get their book on what's called a pre order. Um, and then the numbers started to go up. You had to have a thousand, and I think the hours went up too. And I. I, I apologize that I don't have those exact numbers for you today. But that that is something that sparks the the desire, the desire, the chase to be noted for what you've done. And there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing at all. But if you ask me, it, it can steer you away from the love of just producing your story. It can take you into that place of fear of it's got to be right. I've got to get this number. I've got to impress enough people. I've got to get 10,000. And, and if I'm going to make New York Times, it's got to be diverse. I can't only sell to Barnes & Noble. I have to have a diverse distribution and I can't sell 10,000 to one company so that that puts another spin on it and and for a lot of people it just all of a sudden doesn't become worth it and I I think I'm one of those people I remember being a gymnast and Boy, I was one excited girl. I, I think I was 13 years old when I got my first blue ribbon, first place in a gymnastics competition. I was over the moon. But quickly, I wanted another one. And something didn't feel right when I got the bronze. You know, the Special Olympics doesn't do things like that. <laughs> the Special Olympics says Everyone's a winner. And I, I would tell you, they, they're doing something right there. It, it's our fear. It's our ego that gets caught up in quantity, in numbers, wanting to be the best. Even uh, to answer Mary's question here, um, is there anyone besides Amazon and New York Times? There's, there's also USA Today. I believe you need 3,000 books sold to be recognized by the USA Today best-selling list. Uh, Wall Street, if you're writing in that genre, you know, finance and such, Wall Street, I want to say 5,000 for Wall Street uh, will get you notoriety with them. But again, you got to ask yourself, is it the quantity that I'm after? And what's it going to do for me? Because I don't want to take that away from you. Getting published is wonderful. It's wonderful. You should celebrate for the rest of your life. But you got to be careful. 
because it can quickly take you out of feeling the real timelessness of your story. And that's that's where the love is. The love of talking about music or the love of talking about health, something scientific, something in nature, your relationship with people, your relationship with God, your relationship even with money counts as something timeless. I was recently taking a course where he was asking us, do you have any relationship with money? And of course, everybody put their hands in the air. And he said, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think of your relationship with money? And surprisingly, most people said freedom. And he he kind of busted the bubble on it like I am with you. Uh, and he said, I, I hate to tell you, but the freedom comes much, much later in a much, much different way. What happens when you have money right away is that you have the power to trade. And if you have a lot of money, you have the convenience to trade for something big. But freedom, freedom's really something a little bit different. And and I just want to say, publishing is too. Publishing is not the end-all, be-all. Honestly, it's a great thing, but being timeless, being in your heart, telling the story that matters to you so that you are always shining that smile when someone asks you about your book, oh my goodness, you'll you'll never get tired of that. Never. But you will get tired of people asking you, so are you an Amazon bestseller? You'll get sick of that. Are you a, a, a New York Times bestseller? You'll get sick of that, especially if you were a New York Times bestseller last month and not this month. Because you're going to start wondering how you can chase that down again. I know I'm not speaking for everyone. I might just be speaking for me. But... When we come back from the break, we're going to talk just a little bit more about how to really lean in to that timelessness. Hello, I'm Eldon Taylor. Are you interested in leading-edge, provocative news? Are you fascinated by subjects like free will, mind control, psi discoveries, brainwashing, human behavior, controlled media, and so forth. If you are, you won't want to miss a single episode of Provocative Enlightenment. Be sure to join my partner Ravindra and I for an hour of captivating inquiry with today's leading experts. Every Monday at 12 noon, right here on KKNW. During these challenging times, there's a place that provides vet care for people who cannot afford it. It's called Doni Co Pet Clinic, and it's been providing veterinary and wellness care for thousands of pets in the Seattle area since 1986. This includes access to spay and neutering, which is a requirement for all pets. If you'd like to find out more about Doni Co or to make a donation, visit donico.com. 
donecoe.org. That's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. If you own firearms, it's your responsibility to make sure they're always stored safely. Hiding them in a closet or drawer is not enough. Kids know where they are. Research shows the risk of injury and death is lower if guns are stored unloaded and locked up with the ammunition locked in a separate place. This is important when children are young as well as when they grow into teenagers. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and we're talking about the timelessness of your book and your story. Your blogs might even be the timelessness of your brand and how you offer your services to others. I want to tell you that I help first, second, and third time authors take that story that they've been walking around with that's been buzzing in their head and they're thinking oh i want to do something with this story it's often hard to do much with our story when it's in our head so i've created 90-day programs where we work on really getting that first draft out all the way up to other programs where We work together for a year in what's called a mastermind. And my whole goal is to help you see that what you've been walking around with has really been something, not just working on your mind, but something that your heart really wants to express. So my job is to help you see how much you are releasing that story into the world to help you see where you might be clutching at your story and it would be serving you to write more about it or to put more of yourself into it. And then to help you, I help you move on to the next channels, which are getting an agent, going into self-publishing, writing your query letter, and moving on to those book tours. Uh, some, some people are a little worried about the fact that once upon a time, it was just those great writers that were writing books, and now, you know, the, the doors have opened, and any of us can really write a book if we so choose. But what does that mean for us? How do we... How do we take the timelessness, we're just going to go into our theme here, how do we take the timelessness of a book and yet work with today's times? So I want to just capture some of the questions that came in. I'm grouping a lot of these questions together. Um, I want to thank Victoria and Mary and Sharon and Kara and Leslie for writing in with the questions I'm going to, some of them I'm kind of grouping together here, but one is, is it expensive to write a book? Um, Expensive is kind of a relative word, but my quick answer, yep, (laughs) it is. Costs a bit of money. 
Now, don't think that someone like Stephen King, who has sold zillions and zillions of copies of books, did not at some point invest more money than was coming back at him. But also know that he is iconic in what he does. So when you get to that point, your your royalties will outweigh your investment. But yes, dear ones, there is an investment. One investment is going to be when you like the draft of your book, whether that's your first draft or your second or your third. When you get to a point where you're saying, you know, I really, I like this. And now I want to hear from an editor. You're going to be dropping somewhere between, oh, 30 to $50 an hour for a quality editor. Uh, you could you could employ a college student for about eighteen dollars an hour. You won't you won't get a bad editing job, although I can't promise that. I, I'm just thinking that there there are some definitely qualified people in the college looking to make a little extra money, and they would serve you well. But if you are one of those people looking for that bestseller status, you want to go on a good-sized book tour, you want your book to be timeless, I would recommend investing. And I would invest in the best person you can find in your genre. Speaking of genre, uh, you can be a timeless writer. I'm bringing a couple questions together here. You can be a timeless writer by just working in your area, such as uh, there's a woman named Joyce Myers, who is a Christian faith writer, and she only writes Christian faith. Uh, yet there are other writers, like Barbara King Soliver, who write as an essayist. She falls under philosophy. She has fallen under um, nonfiction memoir. She's also written incredible fiction. So she spans a spectrum there and is very well known in it and makes money in it. But see, sometimes when we see someone like that, we, we get this idea that maybe we'll be the next one. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with having that idea and there's nothing wrong for shooting towards it. But I just want you to know, even if you don't hear about it, they invested money. And I would I would put the number $20,000 into your first book. And, and that's going to be a conglomeration of Perhaps working with a coach, maybe not. Perhaps having a literary editor, maybe not. Or, I'm sorry, literary agent. Uh, if you go more into a self-publishing uh, role, you won't need a literary agent. But you will need a publicist, and they'll cost you a bit of money. Uh, the editor, like I said, 30 to 50, kind of going rate for the hour. 
you're going to need some money to print for sure. You're going to need a little bit of money for that book tour. So, yeah, go to that retirement fund. Go to the stock market. Go wherever you need. And if you can get away with doing it for 5000 all the more power to you. I think that's wonderful. But don't be surprised. It can be a little bit expensive. It, it can cost you $20,000. And you just might see all that coming back in royalties. Uh, another great question I want to get to quickly. And this is a long question. Uh, how might I shorten this? Ah, is, is it a fantasy these days that one can submit her own book to a publisher? No, that's not a fantasy at all. And what I would recommend is starting with what we call indie self-publishers. So that means they are independent. They are self-publishers. You might want to get the... Uh, market 2020 publishing market 2020 and or 2019 or anything recent and really look through the guide and and notice what they are saying about particular publishers and who they take because you would be surprised how many are indie self-publishers and for example a couple that I've done a lot of work with. One is called Viva, V-I-V-A Editions, V-I-V-A Editions. And, and just a disclaimer here, I am not being paid to talk about them. Um, they've done wonderful work. If you look them up, you'll see they have submission guidelines on their website. And that means that they are an independent self-publisher. To go with a traditional publisher, a bigger house, you know, that's your Simon & Schuster, your Random House, your, um, all of those biggies you, you know about, HarperCollins, they're going to require that you, you have a middleman, and what we call that is a literary agent. And, and I would even suggest that you invest in about a mm, somewhere between a $47 and a $250 course on getting a literary agent. There's a lot to learn. All this, all this I'm telling you about being timeless, about thinking about publishing, about getting excited about people buying your book, all of this is to say so much is possible, and yet it's just like any baby you birth into the world. And I really mean this. You know, you, you have to partner up to have the pregnancy. You have to carry that baby to term. You have to deliver that baby. And that baby goes into the world and you are relating to that baby and raising up your baby so it has placement in the world. And you will find at some point 
you're really releasing that baby into the world to do its work. And if you are thoughtful and if you are conscientious, that baby will be your book. It will be timeless because you're talking about those those things from your heart, those things that matter to you. You're bringing yourself back and proclaiming that you're not going to be shackled. How did how did he say that? Uh, books break the shackles of time. That's from Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Books break the shackles of time. When you're really committed to birthing your book into the world, you are going through many phases. And if you have given birth to a real live baby, you know that was a big deal. And I, I promise giving birth to a book, it, uh, it will take less. <laughs> but it will take a lot. And I just want you to know that your book deserves that. Your book deserves your heart. And that's part of what makes it timeless. Why are we still talking about stories from the Bible? Why do we still talk about Shakespeare? Why do we still talk about Charles Dickens? Why is it that Jimi Hendrix is now sequenced into rap music? It's because we're taking what we originally knew and we make it timeless. We shift with it. We change with it. And it all came from the heart of one original author. And my friends, may that be you. May that timeless book come right from you. I know you can do it. It won't happen when you're overthinking about it. It will happen when you're losing yourself and the shackles of time are off you because you're just writing from your heart. You're just drafting it out. You're just doing your very best. That's what I wish for you. I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of Story You Talk Radio. I'm here every Thursday. We talk about the stories you live by. So until next week, I wish you a lovely week. Namaste, my friends. <laughs>